the outdoor guys from Jesse Brown's here on the Carolina Outdoors. Bill Barty on this side. Well, then Wes Lawson over here, Bill. Wes, we talked about this previously. It, it is really the beginning of hiking season. Yes, and it is. One of the places that we like to look in the outdoor realm and at Jesse Brown's is over towards the Appalachian Trail. Uh, the many happenings over there, and we've talked about the kickoff for many of the uh, long trail hikers, the through hikers, especially the northbound hikers right. who are going through those 14 states. One heads up for those through hikers, the ones who did it last year are a little bit better off. Now, the reason why is a few miles were added in 2022. The Appalachian Trail has grown to 2,194.3 miles. You know, April 1st was a couple of days ago, Bill. That's a mean joke to play on somebody. <laughs> yeah. You're not done yet. It's a, it, it, Overall, well, the total length of the Appalachian Trail typically changes slightly each year. It's due to footpath re- relocations, yep. um, more precise measurement techniques, and the 1.2-mile increase for 2022 was due to three significant relocations, one of which was in West Virginia, um, one in Pennsylvania, and one on the Connecticut-New York border, where anywhere from uh, four-tenths of a mile to um, maybe one mile were, uh, a little less than one mile were added in those three places. I don't know if I want anybody to tell me that the trip got longer. Because, you know, <laughs> yeah. are we there yet? It takes on a whole new meaning when you're, when you're hoofing it 2,000-plus miles. Well, so what is the mindset of these people who are taking this on? It's Crazy. beautiful. It's it's a, a beautiful Carolina or any of the other 12 states sure. uh, um, uh, along the way, 13 states along the Appalachian Trail. The mindset of these people, the spirit of these people, who many of are from two to four weeks into the hike. Alan Morton lives in Boone, North Carolina, and is outfitted in fixed gear for hikers, campers, and climbers for the past 40 years through his sales company, Eastern Outdoor Sales, that he runs with his wife, Maria. And uh, we're going to bring him onto the Carolina Outdoors right now. Alan, by your reports, how does the 2022 hiking season look in regards to the numbers of hikers that are hitting the Appalachian Trail or any of the other trails out there? Well, Bill and Wes, thanks for having me on. And looking forward to a bright 22 hiking season. Um, I would say that Everyone is out trying to get outdoors and stay outdoors to get away from work, family, pandemic, (laughs) politics, anything except positively being in the outdoors. And the AT Trail is certainly the number one trail used and walked on in the world. Over 5,000 people a year say, I'm going to walk the AT, and they get out and start walking north. And a large number of them are starting to walk south. And that, that number is just, just trails, the thru-hikers. I'm, I'm hearing and seeing lots of activity out there. Hey, Alan, tell us about, is there a general spirit during the first weeks uh, of the hiking season, of this portion of the season, especially on the AT, that you can tell us about? Is there a similarity between the community of hikers that they all sort of have? Well, uh, that's, it's kind of hard to explain because the starting week is really now the starting season, and it begins in November and December back last year where some of the hikers are getting out individually and starting, but the mass groups of them 
started around the 15th of February down at the southern terminus at Springer Mountain. They walk up 31 miles. They walk through my daughter's store at Mountain Crossings there at Neal Gap. And then they keep walking north past NOC, past Asheville, till they get to Trail Days in Damascus, Virginia in May. So there's a large crowd of people already out there. The trail has got lots of hikers on it. And according to my daughter and several other retailers, they're all saying it looks like a normal hiking season is upon us this year. You know, it's pretty wild to think about starting in Springer Mountain in mid-February and hitting Damascus two and change months later. Um, what are some of the biggest obstacles early on, either physical or otherwise, to really get that momentum and that groove going in those first, let's call it, eight to 12 weeks of the hike? Well, what I think a lot of people don't really understand is that North Carolina itself has got 40 peaks at 6,000 feet or higher. There's an entire book on that alone, and a lot of them are along the AT. So the southern district and portions of the AT up through Virginia are very mountainous, very rugged, and a lot of up and down stream and railroad crossings. When you get to Damascus, trail days, that's usually where they say we're getting rid of winter and picking up spring, summer, and they keep moving on. But uh, to be exactly with you here, the southern district is a very tough section of the trail. And then when you get back to New England, you're dealing with high mountains again. And so, you know, by the time we get to Damascus, how many gear changes and, and resupplies has, has the average hiker already put under their belt? Well, that really depends on whether they're an ultralight enthusiast or a standard uh, backpacker carrying a nominal load. An average backpacker is looking at 35 to 40 pounds. These uh, folks that are into ultralight, they're trying to be anywhere between 15 and 25 pounds and zeroing in on around 20. They move pretty fast. They're running and walking in running shoes. Others are in mid-high hiking boots. And so you've got a, a, a very diversified group of people out there with the gear that they use um, and how they do their walks on a daily basis and the miles they're trying to average. Hey, will you talk to us a little bit about that? We introduced you, Eastern Outdoor Sales, of course, um, speaking of ultralight, some of your companies that you help represent uh, throughout the southeast and then some um, have a great niche in that. I'll name a few of them. Big Agnes, uh, Crazy Creek, Yukon Outfitters. Talk to us about those ultralight hikers and how their gear has changed over the past uh, couple of decades now, I guess. Well, like I said, people have gone from heavy-duty, rugged backpacks to lightweight, feathery things. Uh, Big Agnes is certainly known for having the lightest production tents in the world. And um, we have just come out of three years of producing um, tents made out of uh, Dyneema Kevlar with carbon fiber pole sets. And, uh, for instance, the Fly Creek 2 weighed in at 18 ounces for a two-person tent. But it's a pretty spendy uh, product to be putting in your backpack. There are a lot of companies out there making ultralight packs, and Big Agnes has just introduced a whole line of that. And we're looking in the two to three pound range for a pack empty. And most of your lighter brands are trying to keep their weights in that category so that the ultimate carry is comfortable and lighter than normal. 
over the last 40 years, we've gone from an average of 60 or 65 pounds down to an average of 25 to 30. So it's been cut in half, and I, I, I put a lot of it on all these manufacturers and designers who have created lighter and lighter and lighter gear every year, and at the same time trying to make it more comfortable and more durable. Hey, Alan, here on the Carolina Outdoors, we have some old-timers who listen to the program who who may remember their packs from, as you said, before those 40 years ago. What are some of the big changes? I mean, we're talking about going from um, metals back then in the early 70s or so to now we're dealing with aluminums and graphites. Uh, the weight of the nylon was, uh, or canvas even, I guess, was another area. Those were drastically heavy compared to what you just described as well. Is that where all the weight is going? And alongside, as you mentioned, the designers who are putting these fabrics, this technology, um, into everything, really, from boots to frames of packs to uh, the synthetic uh, coverings within the packs. Is that how it's all happening? And for our old-timers out there, uh, will you give a kind of a, a, I guess, a comparison of what they may have known back then compared to what we're selling now. Oh, yeah. All of us old-timers, we, we <laughs> yeah. could only get what we could get back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and that was a lot of aluminum external frame packs made out of heavier nylons um, and in cotton canvases like in the Boy Scouts and military packs, things of that nature. Um, and they've all gone to internal frame packs that have aluminum stays, plastic frame sheets, much lighter nylons and polyester fabrics, narrower webbing, smaller buckles, and just trying to make everything clean and simple, yet still durable and comfortable. Uh, and sometimes when you go way down in weight, you go up in technology, and so does the price point. So these things change as we all change, just like clothing and footwear. Everything has gone synthetic, everything has gone man-made, and everything has gotten lighter. So if I get my pack down in weight and I get my jacket and my tent and all that stuff down, we've cut a lot of the weight down from 60 pounds, but I still have to eat, Alan. What are we eating? I mean, this is people who are listening on the radio are about to have breakfast. What are we eating that's going to drop that weight down to 25 pounds and still allow us to function on a high-calorie, somewhat high-fat kind of diet to tr you know, trudge through 40 peaks at 6,000 feet? How do we do all that and still stay lightweight? I think from a global conversation, yeah. it's freeze-dried and dehydrated yep. foods that have been brought to us all from many, many different companies over the years. A lot of people get their own dehydrators and seal a meal machines at home, and they pack a lot of this stuff, and then they mail it to themselves at drops along the trails. On the Appalachian Trail, we're looking at town visits and crossings every couple of days. And so a lot of folks are supplementing what they're doing going up trail by going into all-you-can-eat and cafes and restaurants along the way. Uh, recharging their cell phones, staying in hostels, getting showers, going to movies, eating pizza, drinking a lot of beer, and having <laughs> a lot of fun. Now, if you go strictly staying in the woods, you're going to be on freeze-dried and dehydrated foods and dropping into towns to supplement with whole foods as you can. When you go out west 
and do the Continental Divide Trail or the Pacific Crest Trail, it's a different story. It's a different way of walking. It's a different way of getting dressed up and, and the gear that you use. Some of those things are basic and similar. Some things are different. It really depends on the individual hiker. Wes Lawson and Bill Barty from Jesse Brown's Outdoors here on the Carolina Outdoors having a great conversation with Alan Morton. He is the boss man, I think it's safe to say that, of Eastern Outdoor Sales in Boone, North Carolina with companies like Oslo Boots, Big Agnes, Bison Designs, Crazy Creek, Yukon Outfitters, talking to us about the Appalachian Trail and thus far the spring on the Appalachian Trail. All right, Alan, so you talked about those other trails, but sticking just with the AT, you mentioned footwear earlier and how much that's changed and ultralight folks going with, with trail running shoes and light hikers and things like that. How often are we having to get new mm. shoes, new new kicks? Because, you know, people are, are really rough on their feet anyway, but that trail will just do a number. Well, you bring up an excellent point. It's something I discuss with store buyers, um, customers, and the hikers themselves every year. And, and it's sometimes it's like talking to the dirt itself. <laughs> People want to go lighter, so they're wearing a lot of running shoes. Mm. Running shoes are what they are. They are not designed to use for backpacking along the Appalachian Trail or any trail. They're for running. Ask the average runner, how many pairs a year do they go through just running the streets, the sidewalks, and the grass of America? They'll say an average of five pairs a year. A through hiker on the AT wearing some of these lightweight running shoes, by the time they get to Damascus, you're 465 miles in. You're not even but 20% up the trail, and they're already in their second, and in some cases, their third pair of running shoes. Now you go to a regular hiking brand, and you will find the absolute guts and designs of that footwear is designed to be far more durable and supportive for the task at hand. And those types of footwear will last usually no more than two pairs to get up trail. And, you know, and those shoes, those that are designed for trail distance, have come so far. They're so light. They're comfortable even when you're not on the trail if we get the right shoe on the right feet. And in my, as I tell Bill, humble but correct opinion, are well <laughs> worth the extra couple of ounces maybe that they, that they weigh just so your feet and knees and hips are better to you and you better to them. Bingo. People don't understand. They think wearing feathery, lightweight shoes, I can put more stuff in my pack and I'm going to be more comfortable. But that's that's not uh, further from the truth than anything I've ever heard or, or discussed with people. When you build a home, you put a solid foundation to hold the weight of your home. It's the same thing with the body, walking the trail. If you got a decent foundation, then what you put on your back will go up trail more comfortably and more supported from the foundation up. Alan Martins, who we're talking to here on the Carolina Outdoors. And, Alan, we're fortunate here on the Carolina Outdoors to have you on as a correspondent for us, especially during trail days there. We mentioned it earlier in Damascus, Virginia. It's coming up uh, mid-May, May 13 through 16 uh, this year in Trail Town, USA, Damascus. How do people react meeting you, and especially with your trail name, and correct me if I get it wrong, but Mr. Fix-It? 
Fix-It Man. Fix that was it the original man. name I've been given. Um, that happened back in 90 or 91. A group of hikers standing in Damascus looked at me and said, Man, dude, every time I walk by, you're always fixing something. And another guy said, That's it, Alan. Your trail name is Fix-It Man. So I've been known for that ever since then. And uh, it's a moniker I stick with um, from using sewing machines and I've owned two shoe repair shops and custom leather work and have taught myself how to do this stuff over the last 50-plus years. And so uh, everybody walking the trail, I look forward to helping them out by getting their gear straightened out while they're in Damascus. Well, and it kind of helps relaunch them. As you mentioned earlier, it is the end of the winter hiking season there in uh, mid-May in Damascus. It's a big party, a a big get-together, not just for thru-hikers, but uh, people just like you, uh, vendors, your companies you represent, they'll be there. And a whole lot of other visitors, I mentioned those dates, but really Damascus starts preparing it weeks in advance of those hikers uh, getting there. Does it help reset those hikers, the, the uh, through hikers mindset uh, for the challenges that are going to be coming up ongoing through the rest of Virginia and all the way up to Mount Katahdin? I say yes. It's always been, um, Trail Days has always been this event that pass-through hikers come back, and it's a reunion gathering to see all their friends they hiked with on the year they did it, or years they've done or completed the trail. Um, A lot of active through-hikers each season have already gotten beyond Trail Days, and we'll see a lot of folks who will thumb a ride back down to Damascus, some of the local churches and other nonprofit groups run shuttle services up as far as Roanoke, up to Waynesboro, Virginia, and will bring folks back down. Uh, some just plan it with their families to come back and be there. Uh, but overall, we, we've got, on an average, of around 1,500 people staying in Tent City every year uh, of both past and present and future hikers. And that's but in a town of, a of less than 800 point. people, too, correct? Damascus is is not a sprawling metropolis. It's a beautiful little town, but it's it's not big. Yeah. There's a little over 800 people that live yeah. there. That's fascinating. So, Alan, real quick. So you've been doing this for a, a, a good number of years now. You know what you're getting into. As these materials have changed, they are lighter. In some cases, they are stronger. But with your background in repairing and fixing, how has that changed going from canvas to things like, mm-hmm. you mentioned Dyneema earlier, which is kind of a modern super material. What's that like keeping this stuff running? Dyneema is a very strong uh, material in the way it's laid up. It's got Kevlar fibers running through it, crisscrossed, to help make it a very strong material. So there are companies making tents, uh, tarps and shelters, backpacks, uh, stuff sacks, small ditty sacks and stuff like that out of that material. It, it, and it comes in several different versions, and Dyneema Corporation owns all of that product and, and, and puts it out in the marketplace. Um, and it, it is a very strong fabric, but overall your standard high tenacious nylons are the number one used things in packs and most outdoor gear today. Uh, the Dyneema product uh, has surfaced in, in many different brands, uh, with specific products, but again, they're they're some of the most expensive things out there, and duly noted because of what they're made from. 
The 2022 length of the Appalachian Trail, 2,194.3 miles. And Alan Morton, we appreciate your insight into that mileage and the spirit of the hikers that are taking it on. Thank you for sharing your time with us here on the Carolina Outdoors. My pleasure. And happy hiking to everybody in 2022. You heard it. Ditto from us, the outdoor guys as well. Off Alan Morton goes and off we go. But don't worry, we're going to be back on the other side. You're listening to the Carolina Outdoors.